Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Hill City Church in Springfield, Missouri. We are a community of believers who exist to glorify God by making disciples who bring gospel restoration to our city and world. For more information about Hill City or to support our ministry, you can find us online at hillcitysgf.org. This morning we're in Luke 8, uh, 4 through 15. And when a great crowd was gathered and the people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing fall away. And as for those, or as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Thanks, Michael. All right, let's jump into this. There's so much going on here. It's one of the rare times, if you've read the teachings of Jesus as we've gone through the book of Luke, it's one of the rare times that Jesus actually explains what he's telling us. Like, oh, finally, we get this. We understand what he means. Uh, and, and, and again, this is another example of Jesus teaching in parable. If you were here, I think it was like a month and a half ago, I, I taught extent, extensively on the idea of parables. So just a quick review. It's, it's for us, as we hear the parable of Jesus, like it's easy for us to say like, well, that's a cute kid story, right? It's a, a farmer throwing out seeds. But there is so much more going on than the surface, and even maybe so much more than what you've been taught on this parable of the sower. And so we talked about the difference between the Eastern mind, meaning the Jews and the, the, the place where, where Jesus said these words, I can't talk this morning, uh, and the Western mind, you and I, influenced by Greek thought and Greek philosophy. That, and that's the difference between parables. So for example, uh, Western mind, you and I, we tend to think with logic, reason, and facts, right? If we're going to understand something new, if I'm going to teach something to Western thinkers, it's going to be, okay, point number one, this. Point number two, this. Facts, order, reason, logic. Jews, however, Eastern thought is way different. They don't think in logic and reason. They think in stories and imagery. So we think as Westerners in abstract. Okay, so if I was going to teach on who is God to you guys, I would say things like this. Well, God is just. God is love. 
right? God is all-powerful. Now, you're like, well, of course, that makes sense. Those things are all abstract things, meaning you can't visualize God as just. You can't see it. You can't touch God as powerful, correct? Now, Eastern mind, Eastern way of thinking, when they would teach things, they don't think like, well, God is just. God is love. God, here's what they might say. God is light. Okay, now I can visualize light. I see darkness. I see light. God is a shepherd. Okay, I, I can visualize a shepherd. It's interesting. That day I taught that in this gathering, about this many people, and I said, I threw out the question, who is God? And many of you just started saying, just love. There was one person, and I think he said something like shepherd or, or something like that, and that person was not from America. It was really cool. After the gathering, three guys came out who are all international students of Missouri State, and they're like, man, we, we got you on that. Like, yeah, we don't think of things like bullet point facts. We think of things differently. And that's the environment in which Jesus is, is sharing this parable, right? And so he's trying to teach here in this parable how to hear from God and how to know if I'm listening to God, if I'm hearing from God, if I'm being changed by God. And, and again, if it was me, I would say, okay, here's four ways to know you're listening. That's not how Jesus does it. He tells a story, right? And this story, Michael read it, but here's the imagery he wants us to visualize. And so let's visualize this morning. Can you visualize a farmer walking through and he's throwing wheat seed? He's just casting it through the ground as he's walking. And as he's walking through this field, casting it, he gets along the edges, and some of the seed falls along the path where people walk. Uh, I was in Germany uh, last year, and uh, outside of Munich, where the airport is, is an agricultural area. And all through the fields there, you can see it from, the, from even the plain, there are paths that cut through fields. Because, unlike us where we drive everywhere, they tend to walk more in Europe. And so when they're walking from place to place, they'll cut through fields, and there'll be a path there. And so he wants you to visualize this, this seed being cast out and kind of bouncing along this hard path where people walk. And then he says, the farmer's continuing to cast, the sower's casting, and some of the feet, seed falls on the ground, but underneath the ground are rocks. Now they can't be seen, but they're there. Right? And then he, he throws some more seed, and, and some throw, gets thrown on maybe the edges where there's some weeds or there's thorns that kind of choke out the seed. Maybe the seed grows for a little bit, but the underbrush of the, of the thorns and the weeds, they block the sunlight and, and the seed can't grow. And then he says there's some soil that's fertile. And the seed lands there and it grows and it produces a fruit. And so in this parable, soil is a metaphor for hearing. Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. Soil is a metaphor for hearing. So apparently, though all of us are here this morning hearing, not all of us are hearing. But there's a difference in hearing, and maybe an intellectual idea, and a hearing that penetrates to the heart. And that's what Jesus is trying to pack for us. Now, Here's the temptation. All right, Hood, this is an easy one, man. Let's just get out of church early because I've heard this a, a thousand times. Parable of the sower, here's how it works, right? Three-fourths of the soil is bad. Rocks, thorns, path, it's bad. Those are the non-Christians. Obviously, Hood, I'm here this morning. I'm good soil. 
Congratulations, church is done. See you next week. Make sure and give your offering on the way out. Wrong. That's not what's going on here. Not at all. And there's a temptation when we hear parables to automatically put ourselves in the story and, here's what I want to do, automatically put myself in the good place of the story. Well, I'm the good soil, of course. Or am I? See, I don't think Luke's account of this parable is a way for us to say, yep, they're out, I'm in. I think there's so much more going on here at multiple levels. And so just like every week when we unpack these, here's what we don't want to do, right? We don't want to take a passage of Scripture written 2,000 years ago to particular people in a particular place, pull it out and say, okay, what about me? Now, we want to do that, but we can't do that first. First, we have to understand what is going on here in the original context. So Jesus tells this parable to a bunch of Jews sitting around listening to him. His disciples are there. There's other followers. There's people that are Pharisees that, are, that hate him by this point, that want him gone. And that's the context that Jesus said in these words. And when we look at it through this context, you're going to see a way deeper meaning. Let's go to verse 9. So Jesus told this parable. When his disciples ask him, what this parable meant. So notice here, these parables of Jesus aren't little cute children's stories. They are packed with depth. And the disciples are like, okay, there's something going on here. There's something more going on here. Jesus said to them, to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables. So that, and then he quotes a passage from the book of Isaiah. Quote, Seeing, they may not see, and hearing, they may not understand. And you're like, okay, hey, Jesus, that doesn't help us this morning. You're like, what's going on here? Here's what Jesus is saying. As seed goes out, as this word goes out, the word is doing what it's supposed to do. Now hear this, this is really hard for some of us. The word is doing what it's supposed to do. For some, the word is producing salvation and life and growth and fruit. It's soft soil that produces a harvest. For others, the word goes out and it is producing hardness and hard hearts and rejection. Like here's what the Bible says about itself. The word of God is a sword that pierces deep and it divides and so for some, the seed goes and it produces fruit. But for others, there's hardening. But either way, the seed is active in doing what it does. Like here's the reality. Brad, Brad and I talked about this with our staff this week. Neither one, and him and I are teach, do we, do I, never do I get home at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and just stress out about something I said and, oh, what? Because it's not about me. Here's what I know. The Word of God is doing its work. And for some, it's softening and producing life and salvation. For others, it's hardening, but it's not really about me at all. It's the word that's doing that. So he's teaching us this truth that the word is active. It's doing what it does, and it's either softening or hardening people. But there's something deeper going on. Look at verse 10. When he brings a quote and says, quote, seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. You and I read that because we don't have our Old Testament memorized like the Jews did back then. We look at that and we're like, okay, great, great phrase, Jesus, that fits, let's move on. When the early 
Church, when when these Jews heard this line, seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand, that was a phrase that clicked in their mind to a story, a narrative. It would be like me getting up here and saying the following phrase, stupid is as stupid does. What's the narrative that just clicked in your mind? Okay, we're going to try this. I, I will go all day. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to have some fun. Here. What, what's the story? Uh, you, call, you guys have seen this movie, right, college students? <laughs> you better. Uh, it's, it's, just, it's, the best. it's my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. So when we hear the word, stupid is as stupid does, it's not just a word that's placed at the end of a sentence like, oh, that's cute. No. All of a sudden, a story comes to our mind, right? And we can, How many of you can picture Forrest Gump sitting on a park bench with chocolates in his lap? Yes, that's what happens. All right, maybe this one will be a little more approachable to all of us. Luke, I am your father. (laughs) Right? It's not just a sentence. That sentence stirs in us the emotion of when we first like, oh my gosh, mind blown, Darth Vader is actually Luke's father. Right? We can feel that. Maybe. We can feel that emotion. Maybe maybe this will help. Um, Jack, I'll never let go. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Oh, which is stupid because then he lets, she lets go of him right after she says that. I've never understood that part of the movie at all. Right? But the words here, these phrases, these phrases are tied for us to a narrative, aren't they? Yes? Yes? To the Israelites that heard these words, these words were tied to a narrative just as strong as your favorite movie line is tied to that narrative. That's what would have happened to Israel. So what's going on? To the original audience, this phrase, though they may see, not hear, like that was a hyperlink. You know what a hyperlink is in a document? You click it and it takes you somewhere else. That was a hyperlink to a narrative. Here's the narrative. It starts in Genesis 2, verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden. There's that sower metaphor. In the east. And there he put man who he had formed. One of the analogies, one of the metaphors throughout the whole Bible is God being a planter, being someone that plants garden, plants a a vineyard, plants something, and, and that vineyard is his work and is doing something. So the Bible starts in Genesis with God planting a garden. And that garden continues to grow, and, and, and eventually that garden gets really evil because of sin and destruction. And so God lets that, that, that garden, that vineyard, be completely destroyed except for one little shoot from that garden. He starts over with a guy named Abraham. And that begins to grow, that seed, and that turns into the nation of Israel. And all through the book of Isaiah is this imagery of God as this vineyard owner. And Israel as the vineyard. And so when Jesus points back to the book of Isaiah, this is the narrative they're thinking. Isaiah 5, 7, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And so there's this image in Isaiah of God being this gardener, this vineyard owner, and Israel being his vineyard that's producing this fruit that he planted and he tends and he cares for. But here's what happens. Just like Eden and that garden rebelled, so Israel rebels too. He'll go on in in Isaiah and say this, and now I tell you what I will do with my vineyard. I will remove its hedge. I'll remove the barriers that protects it, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. See, the narrative that Isaiah says to Israel is keep on listening 
but do not hear, and your vineyard will be destroyed. And that's what happens to generation after generation of Israelites. Hosea 10, 12, we see this imagery again. Sow for yourselves. You see the word, sow for yourselves. Righteousness, reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground. Fallow ground is this hard, compacted ground that just has weeds growing out and nothing can grow there. Like plow it up, break it up. For it's time to seek the Lord. He may come and reign righteousness upon you. The narrative as God is this farmer. Jeremiah 4.3, thus says the Lord, men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and sow not among the thorns. So when Jesus quotes the book of Isaiah and quotes, though seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand, here's what he is announcing to this generation of people. You are in danger of being just like your ancestors. Generation after generation after generation that came and heard and their hearts were hardened and they rebelled and they faced judgment. He is announcing to this people, you are the rebellious generation. And this came as a shock to them. Because especially the Pharisees would have said this, no, like we are the strong leaders of Israel. That was the old days. Like we learned our lesson. We are now these faithful Jews. We're here. And Jesus tells them, no, 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 no. You are just like your past generation, hard-hearted, rebellious people. And the vineyard rebels. And the Jews as a whole reject Jesus, just like he said they would in this parable. And if you continue the narrative, Jesus starts over now as a new, with a new vineyard. That vineyard is the church. And that's what the rest of the New Testament is about, is this new vineyard. And here we are today of this church that he is now working through to bless the world. It's interesting, I've, I've, I've heard this this week, a, a different story, and I was like, oh my gosh, that kind of cues me in, and I, I may be reaching here, but maybe I'm not. Jesus dies, he's buried in a tomb. Do you know where the tomb was located? In a garden. So much that when one of the women came to look for Jesus, the tomb was empty, she said, Jesus, I don't know where he is, and this man appears, and she thinks he is a gardener. Could that be the rise of the New Testament saying Jesus is now coming as this new gardener to plant his church and reap through his church? I think it might. So this is not a story. This is not a parable about the lost people and a parable about the good followers of Jesus here in this room. That's not what this is about. It's not a parable about who's in and who's out is not categories for saved and unsaved. This parable is about the hearts of all people on the earth. Every single one of us. As he tells this story, it's about the leaders of Israel that will be hard-hearted and reject the words of Jesus, just like the generations before. But let's also think about who's in the crowd. There's also disciples there. You're like, well, they follow Christ. Like they, for, Yeah, but what happens here? Jesus tells this parable, and then he starts his journey to Jerusalem, which he will be executed. What do the disciples do when Jesus gets executed? They flee. They hide. I don't know the guy. That's what Peter says. Here's what Jesus is saying to the disciples. Hey, you're going to get choked out by some weeds here. Peter, I know you told me, like, I will never, ever, Jesus, back away from you. You know, Peter, some weeds are coming. They're going to choke out your faith a little bit. 
This is not about who's in and who's out. This is this gracious invitation of God for us today, now. To ask a question, what is the condition of our heart? It's not Christian versus non-Christian. It's for all people. What is your heart? Because here's the reality. God is constantly sowing. And the human heart, hear me, your heart is in constant need of tilling. Constant. It's not like, well, I walked down the aisle when I was 12 and I said a prayer. Now I'm good soil. No, 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 no. You and I have within us a propensity to reject the word of God and become hard soil. And we constantly need the plow to come through. Because when the plow comes through, it starts to pull up the rocks that are underneath the surface and bring them to the surface. That's a little scary. When the plow comes through, it begins to pull up the thorns and the, and the weeds that want to grow and kind of choke us down. You and I, our hearts are in constant need of tilling. So as we look at this passage this morning, may we not use it to say who's in and who's out. May we look at it and say, what is the condition of my heart? Because your heart is the soil. Your hearing that goes to your heart is the soil. God is the sower. And he's sowing out this good news to you. Even this morning, those that have ears, let them hear. He's sowing out the seeds. And the question is, where is the heart? Like, what's your heart? What type of soil? And that's the invitation. So Jesus says, God, God is the sower. He's sowing out seed. And he says the seed is the word of God. Now, question, when you hear that, what's your first thought? The seed is the word of God. What is it? What's the seed? What's the seed? Bibles. How many of you thought Bible immediately? You're just scared to say it. Yeah. Seed is the word of God. Well, we're thinking Bibles. Now, again, that's what we think, but that's not the original audience when they hear the word of God does not think Bibles. You know why? They didn't have one. Maybe if you were a wealthy Jewish family, you might have a portion of the scroll of Isaiah or Deuteronomy written on a piece of paper in your home. The Bible, the, I'm sorry, the word of God in the Jewish context is not an object. It is a way of life. It is the oral message of their forefathers given by God through prophets to them and it guides every single part of their life. If you're a Jew living in this day, from the time you wake up, the word of God is the fabric of your being. It, it, it dictates everything you do. The moment you wake up as a good Jew, you quote the Shema and you say to yourself, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you quote this long prayer that they actually sing. Get on YouTube and Google the Shema, S-H-E-M-A-H. You can hear some Jews singing that. It's, it's really cool. They did this three times a day. The word of God, like the, 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 this word written, like as they interacted with people, it was constantly on their lips. It was on their thoughts. They had it written on their homes, right? And, I'm not, and I know like Pinterest generation, I know some of you have like a Bible verse in your home, right? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, like that's in your kitchen, <laughs> And you go to your coffee cup and you get the Philippians 4.13 coffee cup and you drink. That's not what it meant to put the word. Like it was everywhere. Like they had Deuteronomy written over their doorpost. I promise none of you have Deuteronomy in your house. It was the fabric of everything they do. This word of God. It's what they, what sustained them. What they quoted all day long. It's not just a book. It was a way of life. It was a revelation of God given to them. I was trying to think, and I was 
was talking with uh, one of our residents as we were working through this sermon. I was like, what illustrates something that just is the like, fabric of our being throughout our day? Like we're constantly living this narrative. And I thought about like, I always think CrossFit people when I think about that, like consume. But here, here's the other thing I thought of, especially we got a young crowd here this morning. Social media on our phones. Tell me if I'm right. All day long. Refresh. Refresh. Living in that narrative. Like that might be an example of what it was like for a Jew, but that wasn't social media and like, oh, selfie Sunday. It wasn't that. It was like the words of God. Meditating on it. Thinking on it. Praying it over and over and over. So the word is not the Bible. The word is the very message of God. John says it like this, in the beginning was the word, not the Bible, the word, capital word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning. He goes on, John 1 verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. What's the word? Jesus. Jesus comes perfectly embodying all the words that God has given to Israel and now perfectly proclaiming who God is. Jesus is the word. So God's a sower. He's sowing seed. Jesus now brings into the flesh this word, this message of God, the good news of grace to sinners. That's Jesus. He brings that. And now we're the soil. And Jesus invites us into the parable to imagine it, but then to think and wrestle. And let's do that this morning quickly. Verse, Luke 8, verse 12. So the sower throws, and some of the seed lands on the path, and here's what Jesus tells us. The ones along the path are those who have heard. They hear. But then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. So the path is, if we think about the soil being our heart, the path is a hard heart. The potential of the human heart to completely reject the words of God. Just reject it. So I was thinking about this. Like, what's the path? You know what the path is? The path is where people walk. That's what the path, the path is, the, is the, the place where people are constantly walking through. For us, the path is just this path that all of, we're in America here, all of America is walking on. What's the next thing? We have the Chiefs game this Sunday. We have uh, on my show on Netflix I'm watching. Like it's just the path. It's the pattern of the world. Think about yourself. Live in the moment. Live vicariously through other people. Never really wrestle with what's deeper in your heart. Like it's just like do your thing. It's the path that we walk on. It's the pattern of the world. When I was thinking about this, and this will not make sense to the first half of this room, I realize that. I, I, Bridger, one of our residents, millennial, and I said, this reminds me of the video from Pink Floyd, Another Brick in the Wall, where, um, and you guys are like, who? Right? But some of you have seen this, like the song, We Don't Need No Education. Anyone seen this? And the video to this, so the song is about these children sitting in school and just being like molded into this image that what their teachers wanted them to be. It's not necessarily a great message of a song, but anyway, what happens in this song is, is they, to the music video of this is they just have all these kids and adults just like marching like this into this like factory looking thing that are kind of coming out into this like molded thing. And that's when I think of the pattern of the world, the path of the world, that's what I think. This 
marching, just not caring what's going on, just living for the next thing, just doing their thing. That's the path. So here's a question. Has the gospel, good news, the word, has it become personal? Like, has it interrupted the marching? Like, before I was just doing my thing, trying to make as much money as I could, live for the next thing I was going to live for, and all of a sudden this gospel comes in and disrupts everything. And it brings on this realization that I have a deep need, that I can't keep walking the path. As a matter of fact, that path will lead to destruction, that I have this deep need, and Jesus is the answer to that need. That's what the gospel does. But a hard heart doesn't allow that. It's just walking the path. It's walking the path. Verse 13. And the sower throws more seed and on, and the ones on the rock lands on this soil with this rock underneath it are those who when they hear the word, they receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while in a time of testing, they fall away. And so here's the image that Jesus wants you to see. And we live in the Ozarks. This would be easy for us. Is what appears to be good soil until you try to dig. Right? And if you go out to your backyard in the Ozarks, try to dig. What are you going to find? Everywhere, right? <laughs> Everywhere. And that's what he wants you to see. He wants you to see that on the surface it looks good. And the seed, because it has some soil, will sprout and it will start to grow. But because there's all these rocks underneath, the seed cannot root down and find any nutrients and depth. And so as soon as the sun comes up and gets hot, it's scorched. And here's the heart that it represents. It's a shallow heart. It's a heart of emotional Christianity. Where I just, I come to church on Sunday, I go to, I go to youth group, to a church camp, and I rededicate my life. And then the next year I go back again and I rededicate for the rededication of my life. And then the third year, and it's just like the next big thing. And everything is like, oh, I love Jesus today. And then the next day it's like I'm down the dumps. Students, let me, I love you. Let me talk to you. Many of you go on mission trips, summer projects, summer things. Like here's the danger. You go away for a summer, an environment that's not real. And oh, I love Jesus so much. And you come back. And then life hits. Been there? Yeah, that's this emotional faith. And it fades because it has no root. And, and he says in here, like, what shocks that faith? It's trials. Like emotional Sunday faith works really good until you sit across from a doctor and they say, I'm sorry, you have cancer. And now all of a sudden, my just kind of casual Sunday attendance does not stand. And some deep questions like, how could God be good if this happens? Start to arise in your heart, and it withers away. It's this idea of just like spiritual emotionalism. And it's a danger for us, remember, not them, us, that we could be people that are really, instead of following Jesus, are really trying to fit into a Christian subculture. And our faith is really more about being accepted by other Christians than it is about knowing Jesus. One of the things I tell our students, and I'll, I'll tell them, and, and many of you adults will be like, yeah, you'll be surprised how many people that you were friends with in college that were on, quote, on fire for God five or ten years from now are nowhere to be found in the church. Adults, yeah? They nodded their heads. They, they didn't talk. But, yeah. yeah. 
Because it's, it's a shallow faith and we're all, we're all in danger to it because there's big rocks. As I thought about this, here's the question, like what are the rocks? Maybe the rocks are just bad habits. Maybe the rocks are deep addictions that have been with you for years and years and years and you tell yourself, I'll just try harder. How's that going for you? Right? But the fear that, man, if I bring those rocks to the surface, what do people think about me? What about my image? That keeps you from plowing it. And so those rocks stay underneath and the seed has nowhere to go. And the invitation of Jesus is let's take a plow right through it and let's bring those rocks to the surface. May those rocks are patterns for you of anger. Just your first response is, oh, my kids. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's anxiety. Those those are patterns of your life. And those are rocks. And the invitation of Jesus, again, let's plow those up. Come on, let's bring them to the surface. Let's deal with those rocks. But no, no, if people knew me, no, no. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's having trouble. And you come here thinking, man, if anyone knew that our marriage was having trouble, like, here's the reality. If you're married, you're having trouble. <laughs> Again, the cause was, no, that's not right. It is, okay? It's just the way it is. And the invitation of Jesus, let's not hide. Let's not tell one another, oh, we can't talk. No, let's bring it to the surface. Let's get help. Maybe it's your childhood. Maybe it's a destructive family that you grew up in. Um, maybe it's abuse that you went through. Like there's some rocks in there that are real whether you believe them or not and you can keep your head above and just pretend they're not there but they're there and they keep depth from happening the invitation is let's plow them to the surface let's bring them up verse 14 so the seer the sower throws seeds and some fell among thorns and those are those who hear So the seed starts to grow, but as they grow, go on their way, they're choked out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And this is like, this is all of us, all of us at times. And this is the idea of a divided heart, right? One part of my heart is like kind of open and fertile fertile soil, but the other part of my heart has all these other things in it, and those things sometimes begin to choke out the work of God in my life, like the pleasures of life. Leisure, fun. Going, just, yeah, just do my thing. Just enjoy life. Make all the money I can get. Make, take all the vacations I can get. Go to the lake all the time. I just want to live life. But it's a weed that potentially chokes out the good fruit of God. It's a divided heart. Like on one hand, you want to please God. On the other hand, you desperately want to please other people. And sometimes those two are opposed to one another. A heart that wants to be generous with money, but at the same time wants a bigger TV to watch the game on. Right? A heart that wants to live for God. We had a men's retreat. Men, you out there that were there this weekend? You better be awake now. I'm watching. I'm watching. They were up till like 2 a.m. last night, sitting around a fire and talking. We talked, men, this weekend about being this like dangerously good person. Right? Not just like kind of nice little good, no, dangerously good, like pushing back the gates of hell, good. Dangerous to evil. And some of you are like, I, I saw some men like Cern, like, yeah, I want that. But man, the invitation just to, that's easier just to live a leisure life. 
It's there. It's divided heart. A heart that wants to be known. We talked last week about what's it look like to be known by yourself, by others, by God. And some of you walked away like, oh, I want that so bad. But then the other side of you is so afraid of vulnerability. What would happen if people really knew me? I got a text last week from someone that was here. There's a husband and wife, and, and one of them kind of out of that sermon kind of opened up and said, hey, here's what's really going on. And, and here's what the other one, they texted me and said, hey, thank you for that message. It's beautiful. It's hard, but it's beautiful. And now the Lord is going to do some work in our lives. It's the invitation. Verse 15. It says, some, as the soil, as the sower sows, is good soil. Those that, who hearing the word hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. If you're taking notes, I want you to look at that. Honest and good and then patience. Here's what this means, honest and good. That, that hopefully as you're hearing the word this morning, there's an honesty to yourself to say, what is the condition of my heart? Not just like, oh, I'm, I assume I'm good. No, honesty. And some of you, as you're hearing this morning, if you're honest, you know there's some rocks that have never come to the surface. And you hear every week, us like inv inviting you, God inviting you, let's bring them up. Honesty. Some of you know there's thorns that are choking. And the invitation of God, let's, let's start to plow some of those. It's honesty. It's taking my heart and looking and saying, where am I? And then let's see, it's patience. It's a slow process of sanctification. A little girl came up uh, after the first gathering just talking to us because there's been some rocks and she's trying to get them up and she's frustrated because it's not happening quickly. And I was like, honey, patience takes time. So the good soil is one that bear fruit is patience, honest patience. So we have this metaphor of Jesus, right? My heart being the soil, the thing that determines whether or not the seed grows is the condition of the soil. And it's an invitation of Jesus today to ask the question, as I sit here today, what's the condition of my heart? Not as I sat here three weeks ago or when I got saved when I was 14 or what am I going to do in six? No, today, where is my heart? Because Jesus says, he who has ears today, let him hear. Right? Here's what happens in church so much. We hear a message like this and we're like, oh, I'm just bad soil. That's just what I am. And, and we walk away like defeated in shame because look at all the thorns in my life. Look at all the rocks in my life. I have this and I have this. You're missing it. You're missing it. Because do you see that a generous sower keeps sowing and today... There is an invitation anew to be good soil and be receptive. Like today, Jesus invites you to ask the question, am I just walking a path that everyone else in this world is walking, living for the next thing? Jesus invites you to ask, where are big boulders in my heart that I need to bring to the service, but I'm so afraid to do it? Jesus invites you today to say, what weeds are choking out my fruit that are keeping me as this good person and not this dangerously good person. Today. And so Jesus is bringing this narrative to Israel and he says, 
For generation after generation after generation, God threw out these seeds to Israel. And most generations rebelled. Not all of them, some were faithful. But most generations rebelled. And now is Jesus to a new generation saying, here we go, here's my seeds. And some follow him and some receive, most rebel. Then we get into the New Testament of the, the rest of the books of the Bible. It's a whole new generation of believers, some Jews, some Gentiles. And the apostles keep throwing out the seeds. And now it's a new generation's time to decide, are we going to rebel or not? If you look at the book of Hebrews, we see this again. A couple of quick verses. The writer of Hebrews, writing to a new generation, said, Therefore, we must pay close attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. So the writer's pleading to a new generation of people like, don't reject the words of God. Be soft hearts. He keeps going in chapter 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. A new generation is invited, invited to hear the voice today. Hebrews 3.13, exhort one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And so the writers of the New Testament plead to a new generation, right? And they are dead and gone. And then since then, 2,000 years, there's been new generations of people that God in his mercy continues to throw seed to. And here we are today. And you're a new generation. And God in his mercy is throwing seed out today. And the invitation is, don't reject it. Don't reject it. Not tomorrow. Forget tomorrow. I don't care what your past was. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today. So question, what do you need to do today? Like as the word went out, as the grace of God went out to us this morning, all of us, hopefully all of us, have rocks, thorns, like they're there. None of us are just like, oh, I'm good soil all the time. We're not. <laughs> That's you. We'll talk afterwards. You're not that. I'll convince you of that. So here's the invitation today. What do you do? So the invitation of Jesus would be, hey, you came with some people that love you and care for you today. Talk about the rocks. Talk about the weeds. In your city groups this week that you're going to be in. Like, hey, here, here's where my heart is now, today. Every Sunday, we invite you up here, the pastors at the inn, um, and we say, please come. Like, we want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. Um, you know why? Because today, the Lord's calling out, and we would love to shepherd you and help you. I don't care what it is. You can, I don't care what's going on in your life. We want to help you with that. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Let me close like this, verse 8. And some fell into good soil and grew, and it yielded a hundredfold. That word hundredfold was a Jewish word that's just like crazy number. It's just a crazy phrase. It kind of be like when we say, when pigs fly. And it's a message of hope in this. So here's what I hope we see this morning. You're not the hero. Jesus is the hero. Like in the grace and mercy of God, he continues to throw seed. Just think about that. Like three-fourths of the soil is bad. 
in this parable. But God continues to sow, continues to give. It's his grace and mercy. And the writer Luke wants us to see God as this generous, loving farmer that continues to spread, even though our hearts continue to rebel and he just continues to throw. And the invitation is today, do not reject him.